Welcome back, folks. I know it's been a long time here, but we're back with you here with a new episode on the pod. And I am your host, the NFL Always Offseason GM. And we got a great show planned here for you today. We're bringing back a mock draft, the April edition, our first one in a couple months. Then we're also going to finally hit on our top five quarterbacks. So it's going to be an, a loaded episode here. We're going to have a lot of good stuff for you. Make sure you're listening to the whole thing. And we're just going to get right after it right away. So leading right off here with the mock draft this week, uh, obviously we know the Jacksonville Jaguars got the first pick, so I'm just going to jump right in with it here. And this is, I think, the most no-brainer selection in the entire draft. I know there's been some buzz for Trayvon Walker, but I just can't see that quite that rise with a guy that, and taking him at number one, that doesn't really have the, the production to back it up. So I'm going to go Aiden Hutchinson, edge out of Michigan, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I've said all along, I, I really like uh, his ability to play the edge. I think that if they want to do some you know, exotic, different kind of fronts. You can kind of kick him inside a little bit, uh, which is definitely an option, and get him some uh, better matchups that you'd like in, in year one for him at least. But I think he can be the cornerstone of your defense, and I definitely think he's the uh, odds-on favorite as of right now to end up being the number one overall pick. So Aiden Hutchinson, number one. Uh, number two, this is where I kind of decided to go a different route with this because I think that the, the Detroit Lions can really – do a lot of different things and I look at what they're what they're trying to build on their team and to look at guys who are available available that are really top of their position and instead of swinging and getting the second best edge player or getting another offensive lineman that you don't necessarily need I went a different role with this I went with Ahmad Gardner a sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati to the Detroit Lions at number two this guy tested out of the gym uh he's got Pterodactyl build is what I've seen is labeled as, where he's you know six three, huge wingspan, and he's super physical. He kind of plays that brand of football you'd expect from a Dan Campbell team at the cornerback position. So that's also another reason why I really like this selection there. Uh, he he fits their build, he fits their mold with what they're looking for. So Ahmad Gardner, number two to the Detroit Lions, number three the Houston Texans. And after getting the, the Deshaun Watson trade, they get quite the haul for him. And now they're going to get a chance to really build this up the right way. It sounds like Laramie Tunsil is going to stay in building. So what I went is the other side and got another bookend. And I got uh, Iki Iguanu from NC State. And really, this is a guy that I think is going to be tailor-built to play that right tackle spot. He's not much of a big-time pass protector, but he's a mauling run blocker. So I really like the, the ability you have there. To really get uh, maximize his talents, and I think that at worst case is worse. You can always kick him inside. He's going to be a dominant guard. I have no questions about him playing guard. I really think he's able to play tackle though. And in uh, today's NFL, I think that that's way more important than playing guard. So give me Iki Aquanu to the Houston Texans at number three to help rebuild this uh, uh, trench. I guess <laughs> the the trenches here for the Houston Texans. Uh, number four is going to be the New York Jets, and this one, I, I've long thought it's going to be Kayvon Thibodeau, but you keep hearing all these whispers that, yeah, he's he's going to slide, he's going to slide, don't be surprised, don't be surprised when he falls out of this range, and there's only so much smoke before you can see the fire, and uh, I was listening to Connor Rogers, who's pretty tied to the New York Jets, and he really thinks that the... Uh, the New York front office is really going to love Trayvon Walker. So that's, a, that's the road I went here that made a lot of sense. I've heard, I shouldn't say I've heard, I've read multiple outlets saying that they think that Trayvon Walker is a top five pick, and I could definitely see it here. 
Uh, the New York front gets uh, another edge to play opposite of Carl Lawson. Uh, he's got some serious flexibility to play inside, play outside. He's a great run defender. Uh, his his pass rushes have work a, a work in progress, but he's got the athletic traits that really think that are going to translate over to the NFL and really making him a dominant pass rusher. So I got a lot of faith in Trayvon Walker. I don't know if I would take him this high, but I just think I'm based on traits alone that he's really going to make it to this range. Which brings us to the number five, the other New York team, the New York Giants. And I'm not going to lie to you, the New York Giants got an absolute haul in this draft. So New York Giants, buckle up. You're going to love what's going to happen here in the next few picks. But number five, I'm taking Evan Neal as the New York Giants offensive tackle from Alabama. Long thought to be uh, possibly the number one overall selection falls to number five here. And really, the, the New York Giants finally get a blindside protector for Daniel Jones to really kind of surround him with the talent that he needs to, to finally succeed in the NFL. Uh, Evan Neal is an absolute monster. You, you've seen him slim down at the combine. He's really cut up for a dude that's 330 pounds. He definitely does not look it, but he's an absolute dancing bear on his feet. He can run block with the best of them. He can pass block. I have no questions about his game. Uh, and I really think the New York Giants are going to really fall in love with this guy. And you're going to start to build up front the right way around Daniel Jones. Which is going to take us into number six. And it's going to be the Carolina Panthers. And the Carolina Panthers are the most quarterback hungry team in the NFL. And I cannot see any reason why if they're going to strike out on every single one of these veteran quarterbacks that they're not going to select one here. I think the only other position that's even on the table here is offensive tackle. And lately it sounds like... Uh, the NFL might not be as high on Charles Cross as most of the people not in the NFL are. So that's why I went Malik Willis at number six to the Carolina Panthers. I think that he's going to be valued the highest by a lot of NFL front offices, mainly because this is a guy that has the athletic traits to really go along with the arm talent. And that's the kind of stuff that you bet on in round one, especially in the top 10. I don't see there being a, a world where a quarterback doesn't go top 10. It's just been so overvalued at this point. Like I would I wouldn't be comfortable taking a guy this high, but I can see it, especially on the the most important position in in the NFL. So, Malik Willis I have going to the number 6 to the Carolina Panthers. And back on the board here at number 7 is going to be the New York Giants, and I told you New York Giants fans, you're going to be pretty happy with what happens here. And I got the New York Giants going number 7 with Kayvon Thibodeau uh, out of Oregon and Honestly, Kayvon Thibodeau is like my favorite player in a draft. I really think he should have went number one. And I really think he's got the, the potential to be a number one guy. I think his tape backs it up. He's constantly being doubled and triple teamed. He's got the burst. Uh, you'd like to see him bulk up a little bit to be a traditional edge guy. But I, I don't have questions about his production. I don't have questions about his motor. I know it sounds like he didn't interview quite like teams expected. That's fine. Uh, he sounds like a motivated guy. A lot of, There's a lot of things that motivate people. They're not the same for every person. And as long as his focus is on the field and putting the best product out there, I have no problem with Kayvon Thibodeau. And the New York Giants are getting an absolute steal and getting the number one guy in the draft, in my opinion, at number seven here. So moving right along to number eight, we got the Atlanta Falcons coming on the board. And they made a deal. They, they ship out Matt Ryan. So it looks like the rebuild's starting. Uh, Marcus Mariota's the, the stopgap solution here. And really, when I take a look at this team, their defense is so bad, I don't understand how they can have an all-pro corner in A.J. Terrell and surround him with absolutely nothing on this defense. And now that they let uh, Fowler walk, they really have nothing. So that's why I went Jermaine Johnson here. Uh, I recently watched some Jermaine Johnson tape of going up against Iki Iguanu. 
And I was really impressed. He was he was keeping up with a guy that's considered to be, you know, offensive tackle number one, number two. And, you know, they're, they're splitting reps 50-50. So he, this guy's got the, the potential. And it's he tested out of the gym at the Combine. He's definitely worth a top 10 pick. And I'm slotting him in here at number eight. I think he's a, he's a perfect guy to start building your defense around, start building your pass rush around. And it's going to be a slow rebuild. So it's going to be draft good players at this point. Don't pass on him. And I think that Jermaine Johnson definitely fits that bill for the Atlanta Falcons. So he's going number eight there. Number nine, I have the Seattle Seahawks coming on the board. And I mentioned earlier that the NFL is not necessarily that high on this guy. But I just feel like the need and the value line up so well at this point that I just I don't know in a world where the Kansas or excuse me the Seattle Seahawks go a different route. Uh, they could go corner, but you just look at their draft history. They don't do a lot of cornerbacks in the first round. They usually try to to bet on these rangy, long, uh, toolsy kind of guys in the middle of the draft. So I'm going to go offensive tackle Charles Cross here at number nine to the Seattle Seahawks. I think that you're finally going to get a high quality offensive tackle in Seattle to, to protect whoever's under center's blindside there. I know a lot of people want to go quarterback here. I just, I, I can't see that they really want to, to take a big swing on anybody other than Malik Willis at this point. So that's why I'm going to go with Charles Cross here. I'm hoping that they can maybe work out a deal for like Baker Mayfield or something here, or maybe they dive into a different veteran market. But I just feel like this is going to be their best option to start building this team. Uh, the right way and not just trying to hurry up and put a band-aid on it for Pete Carroll at number 10 I have the New York Jets coming back on the board and once again we had them going Trayvon Walker at number four and it sounds like they're not afraid to move on from Makai Becton and I I don't I'm not comfortable taking Trevor Penning this high I don't know if the league's going to be either so I'm not going that route here at number 10 but basically the way it has been made, and they've been really aggressive trying to get a playmaker in that offense, so we're finally going to dish one to them here at number 10. And then the New York Jets going number 10, they have Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, Ohio State. He's my number two wide receiver, but it sounds like after his combine performance where he really showed off, he's got that next level speed. It sounds like teams kind of really fell in love with this guy and are definitely willing to make him a top 10 pick. Uh, I, I'm not saying he's not worth that. I don't know if I'd take him that high. But I really think to, to get the New York Jets exactly what they want and get a, a high-end playmaker in this offense for Zach Wilson, a deep threat, a guy that you can get the ball to underneath and really do something with it, I think Garrett Wilson will fit that build. And I think you're going to finally start building out the weapons in this arsenal for Zach Wilson moving forward. So number 10, Garrett Wilson to the New York Jets. Which brings us to the Washington football team, or excuse me, the Washington Commanders at number 11. And I have them getting what I consider a steal in this draft as well, because this guy's a top three player for me in this draft. And it's going to be Kyle Hamilton, uh, the safety from Notre Dame. And really, the reason I, I really like Kyle Hamilton is his game tape is unbelievable. I remember watching that Notre Dame game early in the year where he made that pick across the field. And I'm just like, that's, that's stuff that you don't do when you're just an average player. That's the stuff that elite players do. And I've, I've loved this stuff ever, ever since then. And really, the 4'6 doesn't scare me. He's a lot, I mean, the dude's 6'4, 220 pounds. Like, you're, it's going to be hard to carry some of that weight. It's the same argument with Traylon Burks. Yeah, he doesn't have the burst you see, but he's got the long speed and he showed it on tape. So I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with him, especially with his tools and his traits that he brings to the field as a safety. He's very versatile and allows you to do a lot of different things. So I'll take Kyle Hamilton every day at number 11. I would have took him in the top, top five. 
but he ends up falling to the Washington Commanders here at number 11, and they get a big-time steal. Coming back around with pick number 12 in the mock draft here is going to be the Minnesota Vikings. And the Minnesota Vikings, I have them selecting a guy that is also seeing a small tumble down the board here in recent uh, memory that we haven't seen. But it's going to be Derek Stingley, a cornerback out of LSU. Uh, Derek Stingley, definitely uh, my quarter or CB number one, but his injury questions and just the tape not lining up with what we've seen the first couple years from him. Uh, production-wise is is what's given some teams some concern. I, I actually have genuine, uh, I would say, concern about his ankle injury as well, or foot injury. I believe it's a Liz Frank. Either way, it's it's something that, you know, kind of hinders guys throughout their career. And at some point, it's got to come a question of availability versus ability. So, uh, that's that's the reason why he he sees a little bit of a slide here. But at a need for the Minnesota Vikings, that's very evident. Uh, Patrick Peterson's coming back. But, I mean, he's, what, 33 years old at this point? we got to start looking to the future. And Cam Dantzler's not bad. But he's not the, the CB1 pretend, potential. So let's bring in uh, Derek Stingley. You could bring him along slow since you do have Pat Pete there. And you got a, a defensive cornerstone, cornerstone for the next, you know, decade or so if it really pans out for him and you, and you – really let him rehab this foot injury bringing us right into the 13th selection it's going to be the houston texans courtesy of the cleveland browns and the deshaun watson trade uh 13th selection in our mock draft we're going to go a different route here uh i I think the houston texans it's a true rebuild there i think they're really going to take it slow do it the right way get try to see if davis mills is the guy if he's not you'll be in position next year but in typical fashion with this selection I think it's it's a long-term selection and it's going to be Jamison Williams the wide receiver out of uh, Alabama and Jamison Williams we all know he's got the torn ACL but it sounds like that's not going to really prevent teams from taking a big swing on a guy like him and really when you take a look at this wide receiver room there's not much in it Uh, I mean we're talking Nico Collins I know Brandon Cooks is there but it sounds like he's being shopped I wouldn't be surprised to see him get traded uh, sometime around the draft but either way, I really like Jamison Williams being a long-term part of your passing attack. You could pair him up. He could take the top off a of defense. He can come underneath on those routes, make something happen after the catch. I really like his ability as a playmaker. Uh, the, the knee scares me a little bit if you're looking for immediate production. But I think in any other year, he's probably my wide receiver too. And this is, this is a perfect spot for him to go as well too. So number 13, Houston Texans, Jamison Williams. And... Leading right into the 14th selection here, it's a pick that I find myself making all the time lately, and I just I, I, I can't see how it doesn't happen at this point. It's going to be the Baltimore Ravens selecting Jordan Davis, uh, interior defensive lineman from Georgia. And when we take a look at it, Jordan Davis we know is this absolute mountain of a man who's been just crushing combine workouts, crushing individual workouts for a guy his size. And when we take a look at what the Baltimore Ravens of the past really like it, they, they love these these big bulky dudes that are able to eat up space in the middle. You know, we think back to Haloti Nada. They they were also the ones that drafted Terrence Cody out of Alabama. So in typical fashion, you know, we're fifty percent on the guys that we just mentioned. But I think that he's gonna fit their scheme really well. He can be a space eater. I think he's gonna give a little bit more in the passing game than you think. Uh, being an every down uh, lineman it will remain to be seen. But either way, I think that he could fit into this defense perfectly, and he feels the need for them on that, that side of the ball as well. So give me 
Jordan Davis at number 14 for the Baltimore Ravens. Moving right along here into the 15th selection, it's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. And I have them selecting Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. And I always keep thinking back. This is another one that keeps popping up on my radar a lot lately. And it's going to be when you're building a wide receiver room, you want to build it like a basketball team. It's what Daniel Jeremiah says all the time. You want to build it like a basketball team. You got the point guard, the the, sh- the the shifty guy that's going to be able to work in space. But then you get a couple of big, tall, long guys that are going to be able to win the jump balls, the contested catches, and push them vertical down the field. The Even some possession guys in there as well, too, uh, with intermediate skills. And I think Drake London Drake London fits both of the, the last two there. He's a, he's a possession, jump ball type of guy. He can work out of the slot. He can work outside. Uh, there is a little bit of concern. I, I believe he has a foot injury as well, too. It sounds like he's going to be ready for the start of the season. But I think this is the perfect complement to what you got last year in Devontae Smith, a guy that has inside-outside versatility, and he's a little bit different of a playmaker than what Smith was uh, Devontae Smith being the the technician, the route runner type of guy. This guy being the contested catch possession guy that can work from inside or outside. So really like that selection for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Courtesy of a trade recently, the New Orleans Saints are armed with the 16th overall selection. uh, Courtesy of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I have them drafting a quarterback here. And like I said, there's going to be multiple of these guys drafted in the first round. I don't care if you think they're worthy of it or not. Uh, this is a mock to discuss what I think is going to happen. And I, I got Desmond Ritter going to the New Orleans Saints. So I think that this very well could be a trade-up for Malik Willis if we start to see him start slipping or if they really want to sell out and get into the top 10 and get him. But in this case, I, I think that they're going to get a proven winner. Uh, it sounds like Desmond Ritter absolutely crushed interviews at the Combine and with teams. And they they really love this guy. And there's been a ton of buzz around him being a top 20 selection. And I... I wouldn't do it personally, like I said. I wouldn't draft this guy till the second round. But I definitely think that if you love the guy, go get him. And I think New Orleans Saints are really gearing up to get one of their guys. They got a new uh, head coach in place. Let's go get him as quarterback for the long term, uh, which I don't think is going to be Jameis Winston. So Desmond Ritter going 16 to the New Orleans Saints. Number 17, I had the Los Angeles Chargers. Or excuse me, the Los Angeles Yes, the Los Angeles Chargers. Wow, it's the first time I've ever said that one right off the first the first bat. But uh, I have the Los Angeles Chargers selecting Trevor Penning, offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa. And there's a little bit of a hole at right tackle now with uh, Brian Balaga gone. And I think that you're going to be able to plug and play this guy there uh, opposite of Rashawn Slater. You're going to be able to give him a little bit of help since you got Slater who can play on an island by himself. So I think you can really bring him along slow, but I think the rest of this offensive line is pretty much in, intact and complete and ready to go. So I think putting a rookie piece in here opposite of Rashawn Slater, opposite, uh, well, I shouldn't say opposite, he's at center, Corey Lindsley, I think it's a good fit for him to continue to protect and allow Justin Herbert to do what he does best and throw the ball around the yard. So love this pick for the Chargers at 17. At number 18, we get the Philadelphia Eagles back on the clock. And I have the Philadelphia Eagles selecting Zion Johnson, interior offensive lineman. When you're looking at the board right here, I don't really think a lot of the guys that I consider to be good prospects, guys that are still worthy of a mid-tier selection like this, still available that would fit their roster. Like They're not going to take a guy like a Chris Olave after they just took a Drake London. They could have took the Chris Olave three picks before that. 
So I don't really think that that's a, that's a selection that they're looking to make. Uh, Trent McDuffie is an option here. Uh, I think that I'd rather go a different route because I think that this guy is going to be able to provide you more value on day one when he comes in. And it's going to be Zion Johnson, the interior offensive lineman from Boston College. I think that this is a guy that can come in, play center, play guard, and he can start for you day one. So we can put him in at guard year one, and then when uh, we get, excuse me, I'm just spacing here, Jason Kelsey out of the picture after year one, you can move, slot him into center and get another guy in there at year two. Or we can go back and draft a center, sign a center, so on and so forth. I think this is a guy that's got some versatility. He can play any of the three interior spots. And I think he's going to come in and do it for him right away. So I like Zion Johnson at 18 to the Philadelphia Eagles. At number 19, I have the New Orleans Saints, courtesy of the Eagles again, back on the clock. And like I said, if they choose to get into the top 10 somewhere, this could very well be another team selecting this uh, making this selection at 19. But just for the sake of the mock, no trades, I'm going to go Chris Alave, number 19, to the New Orleans Saints. I really wanted to try to get an offensive tackle here to try to help out Desmond Ritter after losing Teron Ter- Armstead. But I just couldn't really find a guy that I really thought was worthy of you know, the 19th overall selection again. And when you take a look at the rest of this roster, how do you surround a rookie quarterback with options or help that he needs if it's not the offensive line, you get him some weapons. And I think Chris Olave is the best wide receiver in this draft. Let me be clear on that. I think he is the most polished route runner. He's proven uh, via the 40 that this guy's got top-end speed, can be a deep threat. And to get him at 19 is an absolute steal. I would not be surprised at all to say here, oh, how did Olave fall this far? He's the next Justin Jefferson because I really think he's got that kind of potential. I think he's that kind of a special player on what he's shown on field on the field with his, you know, three to four years of production here at Ohio State. So Chris Olave, number 19 to the New Orleans Saints. Bringing up the next selection at number 20, it's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. And really, the, the Mitch Trubisky signing is really what made this an option for the, the Steelers to, to wait this long to get to draft a quarterback. You didn't have to put pressure on the organization to trade up and go get a guy. You let one fall right into your lap here. And, you know, come draft day, this may not happen. This this may be a case where you're going to have to trade up to get this guy. But in this mock draft, he falls to number 20 here, and it's going to be Kenny Pickett, the hometown hero, coming to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Kenny Pickett, uh, great quarterback, showed out at the, for the Pittsburgh Panthers this year in the ACC. And he gets to come home to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who really they have a crowded quarterback room, but I don't really think you're afraid to cut bait with Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins at this point. I know you signed Mitch Trubisky to a, it's essentially a one-year deal, what let's see about year two, but you're not paying him top-end money. So you could, come, you could roll him out there for the first eight weeks of the season, and if he plays good, all right, yeah, let's start him the rest of the year, and let's let, let's let Pickett come along slow and learn. But at the same time, I think Pickett's ready to go day one. So if he beats out Mitch Trubisky, which is definitely not out of the question, I'm not a Mitch Trubisky truther here, uh, Let's do it. Let's roll them out there. Let's play them day one. This is a football team that's ready to win now. So let's start building around this quarterback and get a guy in there that we think could be the future of our franchise. So Kenny Pickett, number 20 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Moving right along into selection number 21. It's going to be the New England Patriots. And 
I seen a guy on the board here that I really liked, and I think that this is the kind of the range for him here, the next like five selections. And I think it's really a place, a really good place for him to start getting slotted the teams. And it's going to be Trent McDuffie, a cornerback out of Washington. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't really think he fits the bill for the for the New England Patriots in terms of how they like their cornerbacks, like real aggressive press guys. You could see like a Kyir Elam fit in better here. But the reason that I did like McDuffie to the Patriots here is they really they, they like these versatile chess piece kind of guys that can play inside, play outside. You can do a lot of different cool things with them. And I think McDuffie's really got that ability with his size and his ath- uh, athletic profile. I think that that's something that they could really look to take advantage of there in New England. And they do have a need with a, you know some more high-key or high-profile cornerback prospects getting shipped out in recent years. Uh, see J.C. Jackson, see Stephon Gilmore. So the opportunity is there for McDuffie to really make a make an impact. So moving right along to our next selection in the draft here, it's going to be our 22nd selection. And at number 22, courtesy of the Las Vegas Raiders, we have the Green Bay Packers. And I'm a huge Packer fan. If you follow our page along at all, you're going to realize that. But I don't – everybody wants the Packers to take a wide receiver. And let's just look at their track record here under Goody and under uh, Ted Thompson, his predecessor. I mean, they've taken, like, a, a wide receiver in the first round one time since, like, 2004. You know, like, this is something that they don't do. And so, like, I, I don't know why anybody's going to be like, oh, they really need one now because they got rid of Devontae Adams. Like, it's, it's not going to make them take one. If there's better players on the board, they have more than one need. They have many needs. So that's why I'm saying here is I'm not going to see them be surprised at all if they don't take a wide receiver in the first round. I could see them trading up in the second round to get a guy at the top of the second when the value's right. But I don't think they're going to force the issue here at number 22 or even 28 necessarily when they select. So at number 22, I have the Green Bay Packers selecting Kenyon Green, interior offensive lineman out of Texas A&M. Uh, Kenyon Green, another really good interior piece. I believe he's played some tackle, but he's kind of got knocked around a little bit when he has played tackle. So I think that's going to force him to play inside, which is not a bad thing. He's very good inside. Uh, and I think the case here is I, I'm seeing somebody mention it on Twitter the other week, so I, I can't exactly remember who, but I do think the future of the Packers offensive line is Elton Jenkins at right tackle. It just makes too much sense in terms of this This guy's played at a really good level. He can play anywhere. He can play left tackle if you want him to, but you still got Bakhtiari. So I think that taking a guy on the inside is going to give you a little more flexibility, and Kenyon Green can play any of the three spots inside. So that's why I really like him here to the Packers at 22. Next up is the Arizona Cardinals at 23, and once again, they have some holes on both sides of the ball. Uh, they could take a wide receiver here. I know they've heavily invested in wide receiver the last few years. I wouldn't be surprised if they took a swing on one here. But also at the same time, I don't think that they really have solved their cornerback issue. I know a couple of the young guys, Marco Wilson and uh, Byron Murphy, there's, there's one more guy that's slipping my mind here, I can't think of it, that, that have played marginally well. But I think to get a real solid starter, Byron Murphy's obviously a high-level player to plot. But to play opposite of Marco Wilson, I think should be priority number one here. And I'm going Kyir Elam, cornerback out of Florida. And I know not a lot of people are giving this guy a lot of first-round love, but he's like 6'2", 6'3", and he's like tested out of the gym, kind of low-key at the combine. Like I think he ran like a four, low 4'4", four, four, and uh, his three-cone ain't too bad either. So it's, 
I really like his ability to play at the next level, to really stick with some of those number one wide receivers. And I think he's the kind of profile that would play really well next to the guys they got on the staff already there. So moving right along into selection number 24 is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. Once again, I think that we're going to see a lot of these teams here in the next 10 selections have the opportunity to take a wide receiver. And I just, I can't find a scenario out there right now that it makes sense for one of these teams to take a swing on a wide receiver uh, when they have so many other holes or different needs that they'd like to fill. So at 24, I'm having the Dallas Cowboys take Daxton Hill, safety out of Michigan. Daxton Hill's a really versatile coverage guy. He can play the slot. He can play the tight end. He can play the deep half, single high safety. And I think that's exactly what Dallas is going to need in this defense. They're pretty solid up front. I know they lost Randy Gregory, so they could use an edge defender, but you still got Tank Lawrence there. So I'm not hugely concerned in terms of what's going to happen or pressing the need there. I think on the back end, though, you just you never really solved many of these issues with some of these guys that have been going out. And now you got an opportunity to get probably the best coverage safety in this draft, other than maybe Kyle Hamilton. And you're going to get him at 24 here, and I think that's a really good value for him. He's got a lot of different things you can do with, do with him in this defense. So Daxton Hill to the Cowboys at 24. At number 25, we have the Buffalo Bills, and it's no secret that they've tried to upgrade the running back position the last few years in the draft. And guess what? We're going, and we're going to get our only running back in the first round right here. And it's going to the Buffalo Bills. It's going to be Brees Hall. And I know there's not a lot of Brees Hall truthers. I'm actually not as high on Brees Hall as I am a couple of the other guys in this draft. But I think after his combine, when this guy's running like 4-3, 4-4, and like his explosive numbers are through the roof, like this guy's a, this guy's a special athlete. And it doesn't always show up on film. I think it's just because of his patience running the ball. But, like, I think that this could be the piece that they're missing. And I think that they're going to utilize this guy to the best of his abilities. He's going to be an upgrade over anybody they got on the on the roster right now. So that's why I really like Brees Hall here at 25. And I think it's, it's – it's, the Buffalo Bills are in the right spot here as a team where they can take a big swing on a running back. So Brees Hall, 25 to the Buffalo Bills. Coming back around here at uh, pick number 26 is going to be the Tennessee Titans. And the Tennessee Titans have been ha- going back and forth in recent days with A.J. Brown and some trade rumors that have been bouncing around. And regardless, I, I like this pick for either one, if-, if those are true or not, because I don't think the Julio Jones experiment really panned out for them. I think that they're still digging around, sniffing around that receiver class to kind of build out this offense around Derrick Henry and Tannehill. And Traylon Burks kind of fits that mold. So that's who we're going to go with here at number 26. He's a lot, he's very similar to A.J. Brown, really good after the catch, really big, really physical receiver. And I think he can repl- he can replicate some of that production to a degree if you do lose A.J. Brown. But at the same time, if you have two of them uh, styles, of, excuse, if two of those style of players in the same offense, I think that that could really bode well for you, especially uh, in what they're trying to, assembled there in Tennessee. So I really like this pick, Traylon Burks, Arkansas wide receiver to the Tennessee Titans at 26. And that's going to bring us right into selection number 27. It's going to be Devontae Wyatt to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I really like this selection because it, it sounds like Ndamukong Sue is actually not going to be making his way back down to Florida and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It, they're still at odds on the contract. And, you know, by the time this gets posted, that could have already been a uh, changed so as it stands now I really think he he plays a really good uh 
three-tech penetrating uh, defensive tackle, something that they're really going to like in their system that can play alongside the true nose tackle and Vita Vea and some of those uh, dynamic pass rushers that they got in Shaq Barrett and also uh, Joe Tryon. So I, I think that this could be a key piece. He could really pay, play a big-time role for their defense, and he could be more of an every-down lineman than uh, his playing or his teammate that we picked earlier in Jordan Davis. So Devontae Wyatt, Georgia or interior defensive lineman to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 27. And then the next selection is one that I really, really liked uh, as I moved on, and I'm really glad that he was available in the draft here for the Packers. As uh, I, I don't think that the Packers value the wide receiver position as a premier position in the NFL, and I I don't think that they're, they're a team that's going to reach on a positional player like a linebacker, a running back, a tight end this early in the draft unless it's outstanding uh, value. They they really stick to their guns when it's hey we're going to take a, a trench player, we're going to take a quarterback, we're going to take a. a you know, those high value positions that you, you see in the NFL nowadays. So that's where we're going to go with this one. We're going to stick in the trenches and a sneaky need for them because they like the, the rotate defenders on that side of the ball at edge is going to be the edge defender. So I went with George Karlaftis here. I really think he's that kind of dynamic power rusher that they look for in the position. And I think that he could come in and get in a, a rotational job for the first couple years here, kind of like what they did with Rashawn Gary. And then when it comes time to make a decision on the Preston Smith contract, that's when you can uh, move on from him. And that's when you get your every down defender and Carl Laftis to pair with Rashawn Gary for the, for the foreseeable future. So I really like that selection for the Packers at 28 and moving right along. We're going to have a little bit of a, a, a run on edge defenders here. And at 29, I have the Kansas city chiefs taking Boye Mafe, the edge defender out of Minnesota. And Boyamafe, a little bit different. Uh, he's more of an athletic freak type of player here. And I think that that'll pair well with uh, Frank Clark, who they currently have there, and allow Chris Jones to play on the interior more, where he's much, much, much more effective. He's effective at both positions, but I like him more as an interior defender. So give me Boyamafe edge to the Kansas City Chiefs. And since they have back-to-back selections here, they're also going to be making a pick here at number 30. And at number 30, I have them going out and get another weapon for Patrick Mahomes after losing Tyreek Hill to try to replicate some of that production that they've been missing and hopefully give some support to Juju Smith-Schuster and Miko Hardman who are going to have bigger roles. So I went with Jahan Dotson. I'm a huge Jahan Dotson fan. I think he plays a lot bigger than his you know 5'11 frame that he's listed at. I think that He's a very good jump ball winner. He's very good at uh, his route running. Uh, if you flip on the Ohio State tape from 2020, the guy was an absolute animal. He almost single-handedly ended Sean Wade's uh, draft stock climbing in that, that season and basically set him back for the entire year. So I, I really, really like Jahan Dotson. He took a small step back, I thought, this year, and I thought some of the guys that were taken ahead of him in the draft here just looked entirely better than he did it's not that he looked worse these guys just kind of vaulted their draft stock so much higher so that's what's pushing him down in the draft here but nonetheless Kansas City gets a very capable receiver at number 30 and then rounding out excuse me not rounding out but the next selection here in the first round is going to be the AFC champs it's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals and they get probably the steal of the draft this far is they they get interior offensive lineman center Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa and really, they've really struggled on the interior, namely guard. But they made a couple of signings this offseason. 
And then also getting Linderbaum here gives you a ton of flexibility. He's a guy you can slot in day one and get high-level production from him. I think that he would be a huge asset to this offensive line that's done a complete 180 in the offseason here, which it needed to after some of the production they showed last year. And really, at this at pick 31, this is an absolute steal. This is a guy that I was thinking was like your top 10, 15 player heading into the offseason. So big-time get for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, finally rounding out the first round, we have the Detroit Lions via the Los Angeles Rams and the Matthew Stafford trade making the final selection. And it was really hard to not take a quarterback here. I thought that they might be taking a guy, uh, a swing on a guy like Sam Howell, who was really gritty this season. I still love Sam Howell. I just don't think that the NFL is going to love him as much as I do. So I had them going another route, and I got them another gritty player in Devin Lloyd. And I won't be shocked if Devin Lloyd's not if he's drafted 20 selections before this. I think he's a really dynamic player. I always go back to the first time I watched him when they were playing Oregon. And I, I knew about Devin Lloyd. I'm looking for his number. I can't find him. But I'm like, man, this other guy out here is just absolutely lighting dudes up out there. And finally, halfway through the game, they, they say, this is Devin Lloyd. It's I was looking at the wrong number the whole time. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. This is a guy that looks like he's going to be a shoe and first round linebacker. And it's it's really tough for off-ball linebackers unless you're just this extremely explosive athlete like Devin White was a couple years back or Isaiah Simmons to really get yourself to the top end of round one. So that's why I like him here. But I think Devin Lloyd has all the makings to be a, a prototypical linebacker in today's NFL. He's got speed to play side to side. He can run with tight ends up the seam. He can cover running backs. And he's a, he's a plus defender in the run game in the box. So really like Devin Lloyd. And I really think that this is a, a really big positional need for the linebacker, or excuse me, for the Lions. And linebackers aren't typically round one guys, but when you get foundational pieces that kind of emulate what the coaching staff's trying to show, I think he'll fit in perfectly in Detroit. So that's going to round out our mock draft. Uh, we'll hopefully do another one here in a couple weeks and then do a final one before the draft. But I wanted to make sure I got that out there. It's been a while since we've done one. So we're back here with the top five quarterbacks in the NFL 2022 NFL draft per our rankings. So I know it's been a while. We've been really working on this one for a long time. And here it is. We're finally here. We're finally ready to, to release them. Wow, I almost uh, had a stroke there on the air. But leading right off, we're just going to jump right into it. It's going to be our number five quarterback in the 2022 NFL draft. And I'm going with Desmond Ritter, the quarterback out of Cincinnati. And Desmond Ritter's had a really, really, really high rise this offseason. And uh, full disclosure, I watched my film on him for the season, and it was before all of this came through. And I'm, I'm going to stick by my rankings. I'm not going to just raise a guy up because he has a good uh, a good process. I like to go off of what these guys are putting on tape. And when I watched Ritter, I didn't see a lot of the, the flashy big arm throws down the field. I've seen a lot of stuff underneath, a lot of RPO stuff, a lot of manufactured stuff. And I thought when I was watching the film, I didn't see the quick – the quick twitchy uh, speed that you you kind of see coming out of like his 40 times and stuff like that. So that, that limited his ceiling a little bit for me. That I, I can still see like the leadership stuff sounds like it's off the charts. He led a Cincinnati program that was almost nothing before he got there to like national prominence making the, the, the college football playoff this year. So I think he deserves some credit for that. I just, I don't quite see the ceiling that everybody else sees in terms of arm talent 
and in terms of athleticism, I still think that that's not saying he's not an athlete. He's still a very good athlete. I just don't think it's like high end, like Michael Vick type of stuff you're seeing with this cast. So that limits him a little bit for me. I would I would grade him as like a uh, second round prospect. I'd be definitely okay with taking him there. But that's going to be good enough to get number five on our list here. Moving right along, we're going to get the number four quarterback in the NFL 2022 NFL Draft. And on my list, it's going to come up to Matt Corral, the quarterback out of Ole Miss. Now, Matt Corral, uh, decent athleticism on him. I don't think he's going to be this this wild factor guy that you're going to get with Desmond Ritter, some of his long end speed or, you know, the Malik Willis stuff where he's a very plus athlete. And he's not going to wow you with the arm talent. What I was more impressed with was the decision-making. He's always keeping Ole Miss in the game. He's not making the bad decision. Even if you look at, like, the Alabama tape this past year, I don't think he turned the ball over the game, but he didn't do enough to win the football game for them. So I think it's going to really rely heavily on the stuff that's going on above the shoulders. And his arm's good enough to be NFL-caliber talent. I think you're not going to see the – you know, a guy is going to uncork it for 70, 80 yards down the field, you know, Josh Allen style, and kind of wowing you with some of the stuff that these guys do. But I think he's, he's good enough to play in the NFL, and I think he's got decent enough athleticism to play in the NFL. I think if he's ever going to be a top-tier quarterback, it's going to be with what's going on above the shoulders, as we discussed. He's going to have to really accelerate that, that processing clock in his head. He's going to be able to have to really feel the pressure, really study up, and really know how to, to beat defenses on a week-to-week basis. And I think he's capable of doing that. I got him out as like a fringe first-rounder, a, a one-two on him. So I, it's not like if you took him at the end of the first round, it'd be a terrible selection. So I'm, I'm definitely okay with that. But he's going to land number four on our list, which is not, a, not bad. Now, moving right along here, my number three NFL quarterback in the draft this year is going to be Kenny Pickett, the quarterback out of Pitt. And I, I saw him and Matt Corral as very similar evaluation. They're, they're very different physical-wise. I feel like Kenny Pickett's a lot bigger than Matt Corral. But when you when you watch him on tape, I didn't see, like, the same thing, like the, the big throws. I know he's got some out there. But just, like, I like to see your, your play-to-play basis. And I just I wasn't wowed by it. The one thing that did give him the nod over Matt Corral is I thought he, he showed decent athleticism. I was actually kind of surprised that after watching the film of him running for some of these first downs, breaking the pocket, really being able to feel the pressure. I thought he did really good, a really good job escaping and even moving outside the pocket. So that's what gave him the nod for me over Matt Corral. But once again, this is a guy that I have as like a fringe one-two selection here. I am not comfortable taking this guy in the top ten where he's being mocked a lot of the time. I think he's a he's a project guy. I don't think it's been discussed his ceiling's not huge, and I think that's just because he doesn't have the elite level arm. You know what I'm saying? Where he, like I said, he's not going to be able to uncork it and throw the ball from his knees like 60, 70 yards through an end zone. Like it's this is the type of guy that's going to be able to work within your system, operate at a high level, be able to escape pressure, and run what you want him to run. I I just I don't see him being this extreme dynamic talent right off the bat coming out. It's, it's one of the things that he's going to have to work into a little bit, I think. Taking us right into our second quarterback in the NFL 2022 NFL draft. And this is what I'm, he's going to get labeled as one of my guys. This has been my guy since I watched his film uh, last year after the draft. 
and even, you know, leading up to last year's draft, because a lot of the guys that he played with last year got drafted. And it's going to be Sam Howell. I love Sam Howell. Like, I I am just in awe at his arm talent, the way he's able to release the ball. I'll stand by it. I think he's, I think he's got probably the strongest arm in this draft, strongest arm in this draft, if not the second, right behind Malik Willis. But I was extremely impressed with this team from his, uh, not this season, the season before, and it looked really good. There was some shaky decision-making, and I just really wanted to see him clear that up this year. And what really hurt him was he didn't clear that up. He actually went almost in the wrong direction where I feel like he was pressing that. There was too much of the offense on him, and that kind of hurt his, his draft stock leading into this offseason. But what he did show is this is a this is a gritty SOB. He plays the quarterback position with some serious swagger. Like, he's not afraid to tuck and run for not being, like, an elite athlete. But he is getting chunk yards. He's winning people over. He's not afraid to take a hit. And, you know, that, that's going to be a detriment at the next level. But that, that's the gutsy stuff that you like to see out of a leader. And, like, I thought he was absolutely phenomenal in that aspect. And he kept North Carolina in a lot of games that they had no business being in just on his own alone. And, like I said, the number one thing I love about him is when he is winding up, he's got such a quick release, and you can just see it. It's coming off of his hand very, very fast. And I think that's going to equate to some, you know, top-level arm strength at the next level. And if we go back to 2020 – He's got some of the prettiest deep balls, I think, in, out of that entire season. So I really love Sam Howell. He's definitely landed that quarterback two on my list. I really wanted to make him one, but I, I just I couldn't leave him off over what we've been uh, seeing from Malik Willis. And that just spoils it leading into our QB1. And it's going to be Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty. So Malik Willis ends up at our top spot here. And the main reason why is, not all quarterbacks are going to be great processes in college. A lot of them run these tailor-made systems. Like, you know, Desmond Ritter ran a ton of RPO stuff. So did Sam Howell. It's a lot of this, this package play stuff where they're not asking them to do it a whole ton on their own. And Malik Willis. So basically when you're, when you're grading these guys, you've got to look at their traits. You've got to look at their arm talent. You've got to look at their athleticism. You've got to look at their ability to feel pressure when it's in the pocket on those uh, three to, or on the five to seven step drops. So when I look at Malik Willis, I think his arm talent, that's a check. That's a plus. Like I said, he's got, if not the best, the second best arm talent or arm strength in this class. Uh, when I look at his athleticism, huge plus athlete. He's a very dynamic guy with the ball in his hands. Check there so that he gets one there. And then also, I, I don't mind his accuracy. Uh, I don't think it's terrible. I'm not going to give him a check. I'm not going to consider him a plus guy there. But he's, it's good enough to consider him the quarterback one, in my in my opinion, in this class. I know he played against the lower level of competition. He got beat out at Auburn. That's why he had to transfer. But I'm betting on his upside. I'm betting on the stuff that we've seen from this guy the last couple years, not the stuff that, you know, he put on tape when, before he even played at Auburn there. So I, I love Malik Willis. I think he's worth a – if you're going to take him in the top ten, please let him sit. Do not – stick him into a terrible situation and expect him to go out there and win you 10, 11, 12, or 8, 9, 10, 11 football games next year because you're going to be sorely disappointed. I'm looking at you, Houston Texans. Do not ask him to come be your, your Lord and Savior. I'm looking at you, Seattle Seahawks, even though that's not a terrible situation with some of the weapons around them. 
that offensive line ain't ready to go. So I think that he could be a very high end. He's got a ton of potential to be one of the best uh, quarterbacks in this class. But whether or not he actually is able to, to see that and actually have it come to fruition, it's going to be remain to be seen. It's going to be a little bit of a project. But if you took him in the top 10, I'm not hating it. I think I had him graded as like my 14th or 15th uh, prospect in this draft. And I'll stand by that one here. So that's going to be it. We appreciate everybody tuning into the pod today. I didn't realize until after I went back and was uh, editing some of the the segments here in the episode that we were having some audio issues on part of it. So I do apologize for that. Uh, I really hope it didn't take away from anybody's focus and really kind of kept it on the pod itself. We had a lot of good stuff, I thought. And I really wanted to finally get to them top five quarterbacks. And you guys have the list now. So next week, we're going to be back with you. We'll think of some great content to do up uh, draft-related-wise. Draft and I also want to get into the top five interior defensive linemen and our top five edges for the draft. So we're going to only have a couple more positional ranking episodes, but we're coming in hot on the draft. So we got to make sure we get these all out before. So once again, I want to thank everybody. Appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you hit subscribe so you come back next week, and we'll see you all then.